This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode here on the Mindful Experiment. This is your host, Dr. Vic. And I'm excited to have these guys on as we'll be sharing every other week an interview of someone who I got to pick their brain, get to know about why they do what they do, their story that lines to where they are, and so much more. This week's guest, I am excited to share with you, Reverend Rachel Harrison. And we had such an awesome combo. And we talked about some stuff that I think is really needed in the world today. It's something that helps us live more to our truer self, the essence of who we really are, not the person of what you call yourself as a name, like me being Victor Manzo Jr., but this is the deeper part of me, that consciousness, the essence, the soul, and how to let that light shine more and gain as much experiences as possible. In this episode, we talked about her story and her journey of what she went through, through recovery and different things, how she turned looking outward and playing the victim card to turning inward. And talking a lot about her journey through that and how she went into the darkness and faced her darkness and what that looked like on the other side and so much more. We dove deep into the element of forgiveness. What is forgiveness? Why is it critically important? What's the power behind it? And not just forgiveness with another person, but also with oneself. And we got a little bit into essence of control and those kind of things, but That'll be for another time, as we know, we will definitely be welcoming her back to, to dive deeper into some other concepts that she brought up on the podcast episode. But this is really, though, for the individuals to really look at life and really find that not only just happiness, but to me, I would say emotional freedom. And I think this is something that I truly believe is going to shift you in some way in some form to potentially hopefully just create awareness or have you see something in a different way. And if we can just get to that point, then we know the shift will happen and it'll help you to live more of your truer self. So without any further ado, here is my awesome interview and conversation with Reverend Rachel Harrison. Rev Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you on. For the listeners, uh, I was actually on her podcast and I was excited and I was like, we got to you know, flip the tables around here. And now I have the opportunity to go ahead and pick your brain for a little bit. So I'm excited for this, uh, this, this next 25, 30 minutes, wherever it takes us. Um, first thing I always like to ask and the listeners know is like, how do you got into what you're doing today? Like, what's the story? How did life kind of either lead you on a straight path or bounced you around a little bit to get to where you are today? I don't know anybody who hasn't been bounced around, first of all, Dr. Vic. So I'm I'm one of those people who was definitely bounced around. And, you know, I was raised Buddhist, which is pretty unusual. I was raised Tibetan Buddhist in New Mexico. My middle name is Little Flower. So I definitely came from a hippie background and had phenomenal parents. My dad's a singer songwriter. My mom is um, was a chemist and lived a life that was really around spirituality and calm and gentleness. And yet that doesn't mean that you don't hit the wall at some point. So what's fascinating about, I think what happened to me 
was that because there was so much calm in my growing up, when I went out into the world, I was pretty stunned by the complexity of the world and relationships and, oh my gosh, just everything that ends up coming at you. And my way of dealing with that was to accommodate. So if they could be okay, then I could be okay. So I became a codependent, a people pleaser. And through that, I became uncomfortable and I started drinking as my way to be able to handle what was going on. And my drinking became celebration, but it mostly became how to be comfortable in my skin because I didn't know how to deal with the complexity of the world. And so even though I'd come from this spiritual background, I still found myself in the midst of if it would be different, then I could be happy. If it could be different, I would be happy. If you would be different, I would be happy. And I ended up doing that to my husband. So my big story is that there was out of our 30 years of marriage, probably 10 solid years where I was pretty sure that he was the problem and that our drinking was the problem. His drinking was the problem. He was the problem. And we had some pretty substantial dysfunction, not in the way where anybody was abusing anybody or maybe from the sense on the outside, everything looked great in our house, but underneath was something that told me that I wasn't happy, that this wasn't what I wanted. And so I had a stint of sobriety about 15 years ago that was really life altering. But as it is in recovery, you think that you've got it, or you think that I'm not the alcoholic, my husband's the alcoholic. And so I went back out and started drinking again and finally hit the wall about six years ago. And I was emotionally bankrupt. I was spiritually bankrupt. I was in a place where I, my body was sick. My mind was sick. I was not well and I wasn't happy and I was really depressed and I actually was suicidal. And through that, some moment of grace came, which I am so grateful for. Some moment of grace that said, you can be happy. You deserve more. Some voice came. And when I quit drinking, I did what I call soul recovery. Now I went to the rooms. I did AA, but I went on a spiritual journey that wasn't just about not drinking. It was about healing my heart healing the inside, going underneath, like what really is going on? Why am I so emotionally, spiritually bankrupt? What is underneath that's going on? What are these recurring patterns? What are these recurring situations that are happening? And I quit doing it for them. And I turned the attention to myself and I took the blame and judgment off of the people around me, specifically my husband and something profound shifted in me because I found for myself what was really going on for me. I found forgiveness. I found grace. I found compassion. And I let go of control. And I started talking about it um, and a podcast, just thinking I was sharing. I don't know what I was sharing. And through that became the Recover Your Soul podcast And then the last six years, I've also become an ordained metaphysical minister and started soul recovery, leading a community who wants to do soul recovery. So through it, I just think I thought that everybody else was the problem. I thought that they needed to change. And ultimately what I learned is the control is within myself 
to heal myself. And I'm so grateful for it. That that's an awesome story. I mean, there's so much I can break down into that and, and, uh, in so many different ways, right? Because the first one that comes to mind is just, it's so easy to blame others. Right. So easy, uh, in so many ways and, and, and be, and, and, and it's, it's the conditioning of the world, right? It's easy to be that victim of things. And that's just how the world is conditioned and so forth and, and whatnot. But to turn to yourself, I think that takes a lot of strength in, in whatnot, because you kind of, and maybe these are the terms I use, you can, whatever words you work, but like you went and faced your darkness. Yes. And from there on the other side, you found your essence. You found, would you say you found like you, the true you in that, in that, in that state in some way? Absolutely. I think women in particular can get lost in being a caregiver to their family, thinking that our job is to take care of, fix, change, be there for everybody else. And ultimately we forget who we are. So in that, turning the attention to myself allowed me to realize that I had actually been morphing myself to try to please the world instead of standing in the strength of who I was. And I believe that we were all brought here to be uniquely who we are. And through that, I've really gotten more comfortable in my own skin, which is what started the whole process in the beginning was I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. And so now I can be in the world that is complicated. And I am a peaceful, gentle soul that doesn't like drama or complexity or, oh my gosh, or fighting or, but I, I don't feel the same way anymore because I'm, I'm comfortable in me because I did look at those dark places and it turns out they weren't as scary as I thought they were going to be, by the way. I love how you brought that last part up because our mind can just, oh, it, it knows how to pull our emotional strings and make things seem so dark and so brutal. And then all of a sudden you go through it. And how many times for the listeners, if you're listening, you've been through some dark times and, and you get through it and you look back and you're like, that wasn't that bad. That was okay. It wasn't as crazy as I thought it was going to be. And it's one of those things that um, and I always tell people that like, you just got to go through that darkness and you went, it won't be as bad as you think. It's not going to be fun. Right. I had a, I don't know if it's not, I didn't make this up or say this or in my words, but like embrace the suck. And I forgot who I had on my podcast and they said, embrace that. the suck, mm-hmm. right. Embrace the suck. And I'm like, that's good. I go, I don't know if I like the terminology, but it, I, you know, it's just not fun. Right. It's just not fun, but it's a beautiful journey to go through and a real metamorphosis like of what you went through. I think that if we think that there is some sort of perfect, that there is the, we all lived happily ever ending, then we're, we're not thinking clearly. We're actually expecting what is impossible. And so embracing the suck or embracing the challenge or embracing the complexity has allowed me to be that strength in the midst of it. And instead of thinking that the storm is going to overtake me, I think I am grounded and centered in my being. And sometimes that means there's a hurricane around me. And sometimes that means it's a beautiful sunny day. But instead of only wanting the beautiful sunny day, what I realize I can, I can be in the midst of it. And I never thought that before. I really thought that I was going to get uprooted and thrown around. So I just did everything I could to try to not have anything be bad. And in that, I made it bad. It's what we focus on expands, right? And so it's one of those things. Um, 
when you were, I, I was, you're, you know, being a people pleaser is how I was raised and all these, you know, got to make everyone else happy. You know, my, my, my emotional needs don't matter um, or they're not important, I should say. And when you started to stop that process, was it, was it hard? It was it a long conditioning that you've been that way. And obviously you make that shift. Cause I know for me, when I started to do that, I had some, the universe or life was just starting to throw things at me. I'm like, but I'm not selfish. I just need to take care of me first, you know? And they're like, well, that's selfish. And I'm like, I don't know if that's selfish. I'm, I'm, you know, again, at the beginning, I didn't have the terminology or understand things. Now I'm like, no, I take care of me first before I do anything else. You know, I'll, mm-hmm. I got to fill up my cup of coffee first before I make other people coffee. Um, it, how was that journey for you? You know, I think when we first start setting boundaries with people in our lives that are not used to having us be more healthy, they they fight back because they're used to us making their coffee first. They're used to us fixing it for them. They're used to us creating life for them. And so, of course, it's going to be complicated. The more that we don't do it, I call it detaching with love instead of detaching with the, you know, the chainsaw, right? So the more that we detach with love, you know, that that they we're handing it to them in a way that allows them to believe that they can handle it. Where in when I was doing it before, it was almost like I was believing that they couldn't handle it, that it was my job to handle it. So it was a slow and steady situation. And a big part of my audience are other moms who have adult children. So my boys are 24 and 27. And I talk a lot about codependency and they're both addicts too, right? So the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And we had this dynamic where I was so involved in everything that they did, trying to save them from pain that we had to slowly and steadily rebuild our relationship where they can be men in their world. And when we're empathic, what we're saying is, let me carry your burden for you. And that means that what we're believing is that we need to take on other people's feelings and their problems. And the truth is we want to be compassionate, which is one level up, which says, I see you and I see you as whole. And I know that you can handle this and I feel you, I feel you, but I don't have to carry it for you. And so that slow and steady walk in our relationships that allows that detachment to come from love, I think hands them their lives in a way that gives them strength instead of making them feel like they've been abandoned. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it's so powerful what you're sharing there. I mean, I'm, I've am i only been a parent for 15 months, 16 months and a week from now, but it's, you know, when I see my daughter upset and stuff, I, I my knee-jerk reaction is like, oh my God, I got to take care of you. I don't, I don't want you to feel that. I want to, you know, just nurture you and how do I solve this? And um, but the way my wife and I work on this together is, is like, okay, I understand that you're upset. You know, I, oh, that was hard. You're, or you're, it made, it's making you cry. Like working on stuff that I never had this growing up, but <clears throat> it was one of the things where I'm like, let them go through life and just be there to, you know, give them, be, help them, whatever, they, whatever that is when they're ready for, it, but let them process and, and, and give them, let them develop the tools and, um, all those things. So it's, it's been, I, I could totally relate on that level for sure. When it comes to that in your journey, you said this word and I wanted to come back to it. Um, the word forgiveness, mm. very curious to know. We, we talked a little bit about this before coming on too, but how in your journey, let, let's talk about well, forgiveness, forgiveness in general, how, how, how important it 
was it for your journey? What does that look like? I'm, I'm throwing a lot into this question. Um, and why is it so, well, why is it important? And how, why is it so powerful? Thank you for asking, because I think forgiveness is the key to happiness. I truly believe that when we look at our lives and we look at grievance and we look at our resentments and all of the energy that that's holding, part of what that is around, it's, it's around our, our own harm that we felt like we got. And the harms are real. The feelings are real. Whatever happened that creates something where we feel like we were harmed or wounded or hurt is an important part of what's going on with us. But we, what we end up doing is we end up holding on to it and saying, you did this to me. You did this to me. And I am, I was, I was completely a victim in this. And there are certainly situations that happen to children that are horrendous. And so I, I never want to say that anybody is a deserving, but once you come out of a child's relationship in general, we're in a symbiotic relationship with people and in metaphysics, we're believing that our patterns attract like energies. And so, you know, I picked a husband that had a certain kind of energy that related to how I grew up and what I felt comfortable with and what I was drawing to me. And so then when we come into this place where we're attached to that harm, we forget that A, we participated in it on some level and B, that it really comes down to it attaching to different times in our lives where we had similar situations and similar harms and they attach together. I, I say they go into different compartments in our heart, like a, like rooms, you know, and each of those rooms gets closed up with similar feelings. And we're just shoving the rooms with all these feelings and those places become our resentments. And so ultimately we are the ones who are holding all of that energy of pain and suffering and grievance within ourselves. And the fascinating thing I think about traditional forgiveness is it's this belief that says, like when we were kids, tell your tell them you're sorry. And the kid's like, but I'm not sorry. Well, you have to tell them you're sorry, right? It's very different in metaphysical forgiveness to truly look at what your part was as a human being, to have compassion for that other person's experience, to see that. And so often we're just each coming from our pain bodies. We're each showing up in the best that we could, which wasn't all that great. And can we forgive ourselves for putting ourselves in that situation or feeling those feelings? Can we look at it from a different perspective? Can we see it from a different place and let the energies start to disperse from it and heal ourselves and our own pain instead of wanting the other person to have acted different or to show up in a different way today. How, how do we sit in the forgiveness from that place that says, I stop wanting drinking the poison of resentment that I want it to kill the other person and it's killing every aspect of myself. And the other part is that what happened yesterday the only reason why it repeats is we choose to repeat it in our own mind. And so if I'm holding on to uh, some grievance and some resentment, even if it was incredibly traumatic, I can work through that on my own spiritual being through what I call soul recovery, through the process of 
really attending to yourself and your feelings and your hurts and your wounds and stop needing the other person to be any part of that and opening up to completely releasing the energy and letting it go. I love that. That is, there's just so much value in what you're sharing here. And it's, it's so true when we think about, you know, the whole resentment thing, I, I used to say like, it's, you know, you, you've heard this probably before where it's like, you have a hot, you, you grab a hot coal and you want the other person to feel the pain. Right. It, it's just not going to happen. Or they drink the poison, <clears throat> you drink the poison and then all of a sudden you're expecting the other person to get sick from it. And it's, it's, it's what it, when we look at that, that process of when we can go through it, because from a health perspective, just my understanding of health in general, but also from an energetic level and so forth, it's, it can cause havoc on someone's health. If we mm-hmm. keep holding on to it, we've seen that. I mean, people, you know, people die from a broken heart. It, it, it's true. If you hold on to it long enough and let that energy manifest and keep, you know, growing and focusing, it, it can do some havoc to us. Um, but one thing you were sharing, I want to ask you this question on, we're talking about, well, you know, children have, you know, things can happen or we attract things into our life and so forth. How much do you, do you talk about this at all? I'm just curious with like soul blueprints and stuff, because it's one of those things where I've studied this years and years ago. And it's like, sometimes I'll be like, man, how'd that happen? That person? I just, that's man, I don't, holy cow. And I understand like energetically somewhere down the line, they attracted that or it's, it's a part of the process. And then when I learned about blueprints, I was like, uh, there's something deeper and more going on than what meets the eye. There's a choice here and there's a reason why there's a choice there. And and as I started to get into coaching five years ago, it's it's when I've had clients who had a lot of trauma. Um, I've interviewed a lot of people with trauma too. And I always ask this question, like, do you look back at what you went through? And some of it's horrific. And I go, and and, and I would make sure I could feel that there's a good vibe before I ask this question. I'd be like, when you look up back at everything that you went through, would you consider this a blessing now? in your life rather than what it was, what you may have thought before. I still haven't got a no on that one. Mm-hmm. Like they look back and they go, it gave me gifts, gave me strength or taught me this and it taught me that. And I'm like, Hmm. Um, what's your thoughts on that? But also the blueprint stuff. Do you get into that at all or, or no? You know, I, I'm not into the blueprint so much, but I, now I'm curious to look it up, but being raised Buddhist, I was raised with reincarnation. I was raised with the very, to me, it was totally normal, this concept that our souls have learning, that we're truly here to learn and to grow, that this is our own personal curriculum of our soul's expansion and journey. And I do believe that we have an essence of self, not Rachel, I'm not going to continue on as Rachel in my next one, but the essence of myself, the essence of my soul, that blueprint, that piece that says, what is your energy? What is your learning? And I do believe that I needed to go through everything that I went through. I wouldn't change any of that. I wouldn't change the 10 years of a difficult marriage and to have come out of a situation where I know that this was who I was supposed to be with. I know this was what I was supposed to learn. And then I'm still learning. I'm still growing because in the end, I want my soul to be as rich and connected and resourced as possible so that when I do move on to the next, whatever it is, I've learned as much as I can here. So when I thought that I was avoiding it, it, was keeping me from my greatest self 
not only today, but I believe in whatever the next incarnation is. And I could see it so much clearer when my mind was clear and I had quit drinking as a way to try to cover up what was happening in my true essence of being. No, thank you for sharing that. It, it, it is, uh, I love how you, you share this is Rachel here, but not going to carry on and to take the essence. I, I love all that. Um, we coming back to forgiveness. I wanted to ask one thing on this and, and, and is there a certain way that you, is there like a process that someone that you recommend for someone, mm-hmm. or at least for the listeners to work through that forgiveness of ones, maybe, maybe we could talk about forgiveness of someone else first and then maybe go to self or maybe they cross over on both, but is there a certain system or, 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 or a process that you kind of recommend? Yeah. Thanks for asking that. There's two resources that are probably my most fundamental places that I come from in the forgiveness journey. First is the course of miracles, which I think is just such a powerful book. The other one is Colin Tipping's book, radical forgiveness. And when we studied this in a book study in the spiritual center that I attended, so many people really struggled with it right off the bat because it's so affronting with this concept that you have to take some responsibility for yourself in all forgiveness, whether you're forgiving somebody else or forgiving yourself, but that it is a radical shift in how you experience forgiveness. So I think the first steps is to start to take anything that you ever thought forgiveness was before off the table and leave judgment at the door, leave the concept of who's right and who's wrong. And just start looking at souls and your own experience and the other person's experience separate from each other without the entanglement of, but you were supposed to be like this, or it was going to be promised to be this a certain way, or you did this to me and just start peeling apart this entanglement and opening up to another person's experience in it in a way that allows them to have their part so that you can see your part more clearly. And from that, I think that we can start to actually see what we're really feeling. I think most of us are so caught up in what the other person is doing to us. We don't even look underneath and realize that it's touching in on aspects of us from younger, 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 younger. So part of the forgiveness process is willingness to touch in and give voice to younger parts of ourselves that are still activated, are still part of who we are. And those processes of slowly seeing everybody as equal, seeing everybody in the situation as affected and whole at the same time, instead of who was right and who was wrong and who's more valuable and who's not. It's like, it's like evening it out and then coming to yourself. I love that. Is it kind of like to also looking at it? Like everyone's just on their, like they're on their own path and they're going through their own stuff in a way. I think so. But I also think that there's not a lot of compassion that we have for other people. I think about marriages, for example, and how, Let's say you had, let's say you had a spouse who cheated on you and you spend a whole bunch of time saying he did this or she did this to me and that 
that it it means that I'm not enough, that I I wasn't enough, that I they're saying that I was not beautiful enough, or I wasn't masculine enough, or you know, whatever the situation was. And and years and years and years go on where you supposedly forgive them, but really underneath you're just you're so mad, you're so full of anger. So every single thing that you do connects to this very real situation, this real harm. Very few people go in and look at the other person and say, why were they hurting? What was going on with them that made this so that this is what they needed or that they wanted? Not that your feelings of, of being betrayed like that aren't valid, but very rarely does the other person go in and say, tell me more about what was going on for you. Tell me more about why you felt like this was important in your life. How, how can we come together and understand each other better? And it becomes around control about making sure that that other person pays for this discretion. And so the whole end up of the relationship either stays together paying back for something or they break up. But instead of just seeing the humanness and allowing each person to truly have pain, truly have pain. And then see, can you hold the space for each other to heal whatever was underneath? That's forgiveness of them and forgiveness of self. And then you can then you can establish trust and rebuild a relationship. Now that takes some, um, that's true power. And like and that's really true healing on so many levels. That's doing the real work, in my opinion. Because anytime, and, and, and you know, in society, we we always look at what they did to that person, and we always want to blame the person who did the act. And it's like, but let's understand where everyone's at because there's both there's two sides, and there's both both two people hurting in some way and, and reacting in a certain way because of an upbringing or a mindset or a conditioning that you know whatever that may be. But I love how you you know the I I don't know if you guys can the community if you listeners can feel that, but it's so palpable of what you just shared at how it like opens up this whole door of healing. And if you go through that, it can allow people, the two couples to come together and be stronger on the other side. Absolutely. Absolutely. And ultimately, if we're here to learn, if we're here to grow, if we're here to shift, if we're here to expand our experience as a soul, isn't that what we want? Relationship is the number one spiritual practice that can give you the most reward if you're willing to take it as a spiritual practice. If you think that other person is here to give you something, you will spend a lifetime dissatisfied. 100%. Yeah, I had a, a mentor one time say like, you know, the person that you're with is there to keep you balanced and so forth, but also to help you, uh, there to help you in every aspect of what you want to achieve in life. And that doesn't mean from, the physical side or whatever that means, it's just evolutionary as a soul. And thankfully that seed was planted at a young age in my life. <clears throat> Cause now like with my wife, I look at these things. I'm always like, she'll say things and maybe we'll butt heads or whatever it may be about, or I really want to do something and or I'm really happy. And I come home and my energy gets dropped and mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, she's balancing me out. She's trying to keep me stunned or she's trying to, I don't see it in the moment like that, but then I'll reflect and I'm like, Oh yeah, look at, or she said that. And, Oh, I didn't, wasn't paying attention at the time when she said that, what it really meant. And man, she was striking a chord or how she pick up on that. And it's like, okay, I got to sit with this for a little bit. And the next, thing you know, it's it helped me evolve and grow and so forth. So yeah, relationships, hands down. Number one, it's, it's, I love them. Um, 
real quick, how can people, there's so much more I can dive into the whole thing about control. I feel like there's a whole nother podcast in that. The thing you shared about the whole betrayal thing. I felt like that was a whole nother thing we can go down, especially on the level of forgiveness with it. But um, how can people find you, follow you, your work, all the work that you're doing and, and all that good stuff? Thank you. My website is recoveryoursoul.net and that has the podcast. It has access to events. I have a monthly free soul recovery support group that meets. I do events and also I do coaching, personal spiritual coaching, which really is helping people move through what I've developed as the soul recovery process. And the soul recovery process really is around turning the attention to ourselves learning forgiveness, specifically self-forgiveness, learning how to let go of the need to control the world and how to find yourself so that you can be your grounded, centered self in the midst of anything. And the podcast is on all streaming platforms as well, Recover Your Soul and on Instagram and Facebook and all of all of the standard stuff. But I feel like it's a community around healing from codependence and specifically people who have addictions in their lives. But this soul recovery journey doesn't need either of those things to be a major change in your life. It's really about turning the attention to yourself and finding your own inner growth and healing. For all the listeners, I will have all that good stuff in the show notes. Um, Reverend Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time to be on, but more importantly, the work that you do, it's so critical in the world today to make to, to help us shift in all the things that has been talked about in the uh, metaphysical energy world about all this, this movement over humanity needs to go or where we're going. Um, you're definitely someone that's helping accelerate that process to get us closer to more of the, I don't even know how to put it in words, but um, what we look forward to in a sense, more of our showing ourselves more of our true selves. So appreciate that. Living from our higher self. Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Vic. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I'm excited that we were able to share on each other's podcasts for our communities. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.